the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Welcome to The Art of Significance with your host, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, university professor, gold record songwriter, and award-winning athlete, Dan Clark. Get ready for engaging discussions with some of the most influential people in the world who will impart their wisdom, stories, and inspiration on why and how to achieve the level beyond success. Now here's your host, Dan Clark. Welcome, Dan Clark Nation. I appreciate you tuning in every week. This is awesome. We're growing in numbers. Uh, the analytics from last two weeks ago, we had people listening in and logging in from 18 countries around the world. So continually get the word out. And I know it's not because of me. It's because of my extraordinary guests. Instead of me going to music today show, instead of me uh, talking about humor and having a good laugh and setting the tone for the show, I want to get right to my first guest. He's on the line, but I need to give you an introduction because you need to have time. As I mentioned, Rudy, Daniel Rudy Rudiger, yes, the movie, uh, not the movie star who played him, but actually Rudy on the line. So please gather your friends or coworkers together. Obviously, this is going to be available as a podcast on demand. But I'm so honored to have Rudy on the show. And on a gridiron in South Bend, Indiana, Daniel Rudy Rudiger carved his name into history as perhaps the most famous graduate of the University of Notre Dame. The son of an oil refinery worker and the third of 14 children, Rudy rose from a valley of despair to the pinnacle of success. And if you have not seen the movie, if you're from the generation who has not seen the movie, I challenge you to download it, to go to Netflix, to make sure you purchase this film and share it with everyone because the message of inspiration resonates even with children at the elementary school level and all the way up into the professional sports teams that I have an opportunity to work with so often. It took years of determination, yet Rudy achieved his dream to attend Notre Dame and play football for the Fighting Irish. And instead of me taking any more time away from this amazing man, he's now a popular motivational speaker. I've had the privilege of sharing the program with him. We've done a couple of football coaches clinics, one in Vegas when I first met Rudy, and he entertains audiences with his heartfelt style of communicating. And most importantly to him, I believe, is that he co-founded the Rudy Foundation that offers scholarships in education, sports, and yes, the performing arts. So ladies and gentlemen, tune in and don't go anywhere. Rudy, how are you, my friend? Well, I'm good, Dan. And the thing that always bothered me about my uh, tender at Notre Dame and, you know, I never got drafted in the NFL, and I don't know why, because, <laughs> you know, I, I get the sack. Not many players can get a 1,000% on their effort, <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't get it, and I never played in the NFL. I'm not, I guess what I'm saying is Notre Dame was easy for me oh, that's uh, right. once I got there, and the reason I say that is because I wanted to be part of it so bad it wasn't a type of hard work that most people would go through if they didn't want to do it. 
that's the difference between my journey at Notre Dame and most others, I would imagine. Uh, it wasn't stressful. It wasn't hard. It was, it was joy. And I didn't let anybody steal that joy. So, so take us, so take us that, back. Saying that, yeah, that was the difference. So take us back to the beginning when you're the third of 14 children. Were you the first one of the children to attend a major university or kind of give us the background of your family and how well, you decided to leave well, home and go to uh, South Bend, Indiana? Well, my story is no more different than many other young men's story who have. There's so many great stories out there. Mine's one of a million. Uh, but there's so many good ones out there. And, and, you know, my story is no different than the kid who, who really struggled to get to Notre Dame academically and made it, who struggled financially to get to Notre Dame, and their parents took out third and second and third uh, mortgages on their homes to, you know, pay for their education. You know, I went to the Navy. That paid my education and working. So I didn't have to borrow a nickel from anything other than earning uh, those areas of economic uh, values, I call it, because I had to figure out a way to pay for Notre Dame. So the Navy, I entered the Navy when I got out of high school, after high school. And, and how, many years were you in, how many years were you in the Navy to save up well, enough money so you could go to Notre Dame? Well, you only need uh, two years because the Vietnam War was going on and they did a cutback and and all the troops, and if you had 18 months or over, you got to go home. So I went home, <laughs> and, and I got all the benefits, which was wonderful. Uh, and that really helped the economic issue. Uh, the, the other side was the academic issue. I had to get in there academically, and that was my biggest challenge. And I found out what I had to do in order to succeed. So all those, all those little steps I took, were for a reason those setbacks they call setbacks actually were set ups for me to succeed. So that helped me. The Navy, the uh, not doing so well in high school, learning more about myself uh, in the Navy, what I had to do, how important it was to do the little things. And I just applied that to get to Notre Dame and it worked. So because this is a radio show, how tall were you and how much did you weigh when you entered the University well, of Notre Dame as a freshman? Uh, you know, it's not how tall. I mean, I never look at a guy's height or how what he weighs. I look at his heart. And if you have a big heart, the height doesn't matter. And, and of course, the weight doesn't matter. It's, I see little guys do some great things in the football field, uh, smaller than I. And, you know, it wasn't really a high. I never looked at height or my size. I looked at uh, how can I contribute and how can I uh, empower these young players who have all this talent and don't understand where they're at sometimes because they're on a scholarship and they haven't really been through the tough life. Uh, So being there... I knew I could help them that way as well. Uh, just through example. So, you know, all those little things I learned, again, I go always go back to all those setbacks they call. They're not setbacks. <laughs> they happen for a reason. Either you didn't prepare yourself correctly, you didn't, you didn't 
think of yourself at a high level, and and then I, you had to I had to adjust all those uh, areas, and things happen much differently, much 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 more smoothly. So I was more excited about the fact once I learned that if I took care of those areas that I was supposed to take care of earlier, things do pay off. So Notre Dame again, you know, people. Uh, you know, look at, I don't ever look at a kid's side, I don't, or, or his, or his way, because really, really, unless he's playing tackle, uh, you know, and he's, yeah. and he's four, four, two. I mean, that's different. But my whole point is coaches look at, just like the Navy leaders, look at character and the commitment and your effort. And, and the rest pays up, and that's what a football coach should look for. Besides talent, talent only is part of the uh, is part of that circle of success. And uh, they wouldn't be there unless they had talent. I was there with no talent, still made it. So that that told you talent is not the exact formula for success. It's all of everything, and it, and just use what you have to make it the best you can be, then the talent, they overlook the talent. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. So for those of you who have not seen the movie, Rudy went to the University of Notre Dame not on a football scholarship. He just went with a dream to play football, and he achieved his dream to attend Notre Dame and play football for the Fighting Irish. And the movie culminates as fans cheered. He sacked the quarterback in the last 27 seconds of the only play in the only game of his college football career. Rudy's the only player in the school's history. I know that sounds good, but why? How come that? I got a thousand percent. I know. I know. never, Never even looked at me. (laughs) <laughs> Can you see my talent? Seriously, I, I have agree. talent. Did, you just needed a better that. agent, man. I, I, you know, had I, we met really earlier, really man, you'd be, you'd still be in the NFL, man. I would have been your agent. You just, you, it just yeah. wasn't meant to be, man. Yeah, you pay me on my 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 effort. Absolutely. <laughs> So let me uh, let me finish this little uh, statement. He's the All only right. Rudy's the only player in Notre Dame school history to be carried off the field on his teammates' shoulders. Oh. In 1993, the block- blockbuster film Rudy immortalized his life story. The critically acclaimed movie continues to inspire millions worldwide. So the reason why I asked you about your size and height and weight, Rudy, uh-huh. is because in the movie. You were going up against these big monsters who would just knock the crap out of you, and you would get up and look at them like that's all you got. Come on, bring it on, Bubba. Come on, bring it on. And you just kept getting up and going again. So in that well, scenario, you sh- you could show your heart. In that scenario, you could show your your desire and your passion for the game. So talk to us about what happens in life to all of us when we get knocked down. If you're Rudy, if you want us to think like you, what must we do to get back up and go again? Not just once, but every day in practice for four years as a football player, you had to keep getting back up and going again. You know, two years. I was smart. Two years. That's funny. Okay, two years. Junior college. Now listen, this is very important. I tell my son this all the time. It's not how you start. 
it's where you end up. Now, this is very important for most people. Most people think they got to get there right away. So they're going to take their knocks and they're going to take them uh, personal. Uh, and they're gonna, every time they get hit, it's a personal thing. No, you should never take it personal. I kept getting up because I didn't take it personal. I said, this is part beam. Knocked down, you got to get up. Life is no different. You're going to get knocked down, you got to get back up. You can't sit there and blame and, and uh, put yourself in a situation that you're not worth it. That's not it at all. Everybody gets knocked back. Everybody's criticized. Not everybody likes you. Once you know that, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about what people say about you. Worry about the good Lord has what he thinks. You and him have that communication, and you're all set. You don't have to worry about anyone else. I agree, brother. Okay, so talk to us about being on the side, going to practice every single day and never getting in a game, never getting in a game. Talk to us about the drama that occurred that day in the stadium and how that came about where you were put in to, uh, to, 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 to play and make your dream of being on the field a reality. Well, again, this is what people don't understand. I expected it. It was much different. I expected to play once they put me once they allowed me to dress. It was very high anxiety when you weren't on that dress list because the NCAA made a rule my senior year only 60 guys could dress. Where the year before in Air Force Asian's years, they would dress 110. So that's why he committed that all seniors will dress for the final home game. If you come to practice every day and put out the effort and help us achieve our goals, because you have to realize that not everybody can be on the first or second team. You know, we got to have some guys, what we call support staff. That's what I was, a support staff, support scout team. So we had a job to do as far as getting the varsity ready. And the challenge was all this work and all this effort, you're not going to let me suit up? Very disheartening. But you didn't give up either. You felt something's going to happen. Like people worry about their bills and worry about that. Don't worry about your bills. Just go to work. Get paid. And, you know, do, do what you're supposed to do. Just no different than school or going to football practice or anything. Don't worry about dressing. Worry about getting to practice and doing your best because you never know what's going to happen. And that's what happened. Um, a senior went in. And, gave, and the captain of the Notre Dame football team went in and actually uh, lobbied the fact that I should dress. Uh, and they went to a kid, and he gave up his uniform so I could dress. But because of that, because of that, I was ready anyhow because I prepared myself at practice all the time. Yeah, sometimes you wanted to quit. Sometimes you wanted to give up. Sometimes you didn't want to be around it. That's normal. But you kept looking at I called the goal, kept looking at the uh, victory, and I kept focusing on that, believing it would happen. And when you have that type of attitude, I call positive influence, positive attitude, it kind of shines upon, uh, and that I call it into the hemisphere, it just tracks people, tracks certain positive people to make things happen. That's what happened. I call them angels. Uh, But that's what happens when you're thinking positive. You uh, distract the negative, 
and you outwit the devil by being positive. That's what I did. Yes, sir. So please take a few minutes and just tell us about what happened. Uh, I've heard you tell the story about how you had the movie made, how difficult it was, but the listeners need to hear your brief version of that. Please tell us about what happened once you graduated and you knew that this was an extraordinary experience. Right. I know you want to hear this and, and, and I know people were, will be interested to see how a movie is made, but to me, I don't know how to do a movie. Uh, I don't know what it, what, what it takes to get a movie. I had no idea. I was very naive. And I think being naive, naive is a key, if that makes sense. Because you're not <laughs> doing a market, market analysis or you don't have any judgment. So I just went out there believing, start talking to um, producers and people about um, all the uh, moments I had at Notre Dame and hopefully they would see it as a story. But unfortunately, a lot of them didn't. So in the eighth year of the deal, um, I think eighth, yeah, eighth year, I got totally rejected from Notre Dame, and I should have given up. And uh, I, I could, almost did if it wasn't for a friend, a hotel manager that kind of encouraged me to his brother. So I talked to his brother, and his brother, um, he was... Um, he was involved in making the movie Hoosiers and that connection, that connection, that connection, that connection alone, that connection alone helped me get to that next step was meeting the writer of the movie Hoosiers. Now, the key to this, and again, I go back to, I always go back to God has a great sense of humor. You have to do things in your life to learn about who you are, or what you are. So I had to sell insurance for all those years. I was trying to get the movie done. I was almost ten years of insurance sales, and taught me a lot about commitment. Talking about listening, taught me about overcoming, taught me about no show. All that it just taught me about perseverance, patience, and and really listening. So I really listened to uh, Notre Dame, and I knew exactly what they needed. So I had to go out and get that need for them. What they needed was a facelift in a positive way. Uh, and what I needed was to tell the story and get Notre Dame and Hollywood to come together to do it. Now, this hotel manager that introduced me to his brother that was connected to Hoosiers said immediately, this is a movie. So he asked me if I would go out to California, and I did. And he said, would you meet the writer? But the writer didn't have the same intentions I did or the uh, brother of the hotel manager did. He just stood me up. Uh, he wasn't going to show up for the lunch. I stood there for four hours figuring he would come and being positive that he's going to come. I'm not going to leave until he comes. So saying that, uh, he never showed up. So I went outside and saw a mailman smiling and whistling I just said to the mailman, uh, I thanked him for his smile. And we had an instant connection, and he was from Michigan. I'm from Indiana. And uh, he, uh, he and I had a, a, I don't know, a little relationship. Um, had a relationship 
and he brought me to the guy's house. Uh, and I went to the guy's house, and uh, he was Back the up writer. for just one second. That's so funny. So, so you come outside from sitting in a restaurant for four hours. The the writer of the movie Hoosiers, who you were supposed to meet with, who said he was going to help you, he stood you up. You walk outside dejected, and you see a, no, a mailman I smiling. Dejected. No, no, I wasn't dejected. The guy that was with me was dejected. And because of my insurance sales, I had a positive attitude. I, love I said, it. the guy is going to show up. So I walked outside just to get a refresh attitude, not listening to the guy that's telling me he's not going to show up. I don't want to hear it no more. So I walked outside, refreshed my attitude by getting away from people that are negative or doubtful. I got away from that nonsense, walked outside and saw the positive guy, thanked him for it. He and I connected, and he brought me to the writer, and the writer that stood me up was up all night rewriting the script, and he apologized and and, and all that. They say he wasn't interested in doing another story or a sports story. He didn't want to do the genre of sports. He wanted to do other genres. And I said, great. And he said he hated Notre Dame and all that. But I didn't hear it, but he did say he did like the story. So I kind of kept that positive side to it. And that's what helped me get him uh, engaged in writing the, writing the script once the guy from Columbia Pictures who was a walk-on at Michigan State and applied to Notre Dame, got turned down. Now as the president of Columbia Pictures, who was looking for another sports story. And two years after Angelo Pizzo and I met in Santa Monica, after he said he's not going to do another sports story, this guy calls him into his office and asked him if he had a sports story he could write because he had a budget of $25 million. He said, yes, I do. He told him that's how the movie got done. But what's that say? I didn't give up. I didn't abandon the dream. That's what it says. Yeah. And it's the, the humorous side of that is that the uh, when you when you told the, the mailman that this guy had stood you up, the mailman, because he's a mailman, and obviously they're not supposed to do that, but he said, hey, I know where this guy lives. So you went and knocked on his door and said, hey, and that's when he apologized that he had stayed up all night. Isn't that right? No, that, that, that's correct. But he and I had a relationship. That's, that's the secret. Yeah. Uh, people that like each other help each other. And he liked me and I liked him. It didn't, doesn't take long for you to like each other once you throw off the positive vibes. So that's what makes things happen. That's what people don't understand. You gotta be positive to attract positive. And when you attract the positive, you will see the opportunity there. That's what I saw, what he saw in me and I saw in him. That's how it all came together. But it also took two more years of patience uh, with Angelo, because he was not gonna write the story. But it took another guy to get Angelo committed to the story. And also, once Angela wrote it, it just happened to be the top out of ten top ten sports where Rudy's one or three. So it was worth the the wait, worth the fight, worth the uh, struggle. Yes, sir. Tell us about the Rudy Foundation. Well, that just gives scholarships to young people, middle school kids who are looking to better themselves. They don't have to be high achievers in the classroom, just be better kids and better students and uh, be the best they could be 
And if they need a computer, they're going to get a computer. If they need a dance lesson, they'll get a dance lesson. So that's what we do. We help support their goals along the way. How do we participate? Is there an address? Is there a, an email? Is there a, a website? Just go, just go to Rudy Foundation is what they do. R-U-D-Y Foundation, Rudy Foundation. Yeah, that and tell us about your speaking career. You're uh, you're obviously a very highly regarded and in-demand motivational speaker around the world. Um, are you planning any, like, a, a, a tour? As you and I were talking a while ago, you said your dream was to put together some sort of an underdog tour or whatever you're going to call it, put together a, a list or a series of speakers and put events on. Are you still planning on doing that? Is that something we could help you do? Yeah, I, I think the military needs Rudy. Uh, yes, because sir. I was a Navy veteran, and the military could, those guys, a lot of these guys that find out, grew up with the movie Rudy, so they show the movie out at sea. So I think it'd be great to have that little deal going for the military. That'd be fun, in my eyes, because I understand that culture. Absolutely. So as we wind down our time, when... Um, when you speak, what's the single most important or what are the two or three most important messages that you share that you want the world to know from your experience as a man, as a as an incredible human being? No, I just hope. You have hope. There's no dreams without hope. So you got to have hope. You got to uh, have that positive attitude to create the hope. Because without a dream, I mean, there's really nothing worth I mean, you just go through the day. You gotta have a dream. You know, go and get you excited to do that. And you know, not it's not gonna be easy. Nothing is, but once you know what you want, it's a different type of work. It's a little harder type of work, but a much different type of work. And it's more more of a satisfaction. It's almost like I don't know, go to workout class or a spin class, knowing that you work hard you you're going to lose weight and your body's going to transform. That type of thing. Yes, sir. So as we, <clears throat> as we wind down our time together here, will you just paint the picture for our listeners uh, of that, that last 27 seconds of the game? You're on the sideline. What happens? Did somebody call timeout? You went out on the field. Kind of build that up and just... Bring us aboard. Bring us onto the field with you, so that we can live on the radio what we can't see on the uh, on the on the screen right now. Come on, brother. <laughs> Watch the movie. <laughs> I know you're going to say that. And, and not only that, on, on YouTube, watch Rudy tackle. It's the actual tackles on YouTube. Really, look it. I can't tell you because what happened forty some years ago. I can only tell you the moment. In, in that moment, you go through so many little feelings, you can't explain those feelings unless you're there. You can't explain that feeling unless you earned it. You can't explain that, that lift unless you, uh, unless you dreamt about it. So for me, telling it may not be the same to someone who wants to get in shape, but I'm going to say to you this, all that hard work paid off. And those moments that you dreamt about, if you didn't prepare for that moment, then all that work would be 
for nothing. And why live in regret? So I, I always say to people, don't live in regret. That's the feeling I had. I'm glad I didn't quit. When my players were carrying me off the field, I, I said, I was embarrassed. Put me down. What are you doing? I was embarrassed. You're not supposed to carry me off this field. And it, but that they were so inspired by that hard work that was done, I didn't realize they were inspired by it. That's why it happened. So you, you can't explain that and feelings and through music and through that does. I love the music that was to the movie. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, that was his last score before he passed. And uh, it was a wonderful uh, score, by the way. It's heard in Olympics, heard all over. So it's a, it's a, it's a score that's always well known. So that's yes, sir. how I felt. <clears throat> and they didn't carry you off because of the, the sack. They carried you off because of the two years of never missing a practice and getting up every time they hit you and knocked you down. And that's what they were celebrating, that, yes, you really did inspire them every day. Uh, so, it was more out of respect. Yes, sir. The respect they had. Uh, anybody can make a tackle. But it's a Hollywood ending, too. It's a clock ending you get your tackle. I mean, that's a Hollywood ending. You can't make that up. Absolutely. So could it happen? Could it happen to anybody? Could they could 27 seconds literally turn someone's life around if they're caught up in addiction, if they've gone through a devastating divorce, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job? Do you really believe that 27 seconds can change anybody's life from 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 negative to positive or from positive to amazing? Sometimes you got to take one second at a time. And that's what you need to do. By each second, it goes 27 seconds. It could be 27 years. It was 27 years to play 27 seconds. So you tell me. I love it. It, it, it takes time. But the 27 seconds is part of the, you know, it just happens that quick. It's just bang. It's like hitting a home run. How long did it take to hit that home run? One swing. But how long... How many times you strike out? How many times were you up at bat? You know, you go go through all the scenarios of all the athletes, of all the ones who made it. Let's tell you about all the setbacks they have that helped them succeed in life. You know, it's like telling a young boy, your homework's important, and he doesn't think it is, but it is. All those little things, making a bed is important. Doing the little things at home is important. They all... That's what I was, that's what I had to learn. The little things are so important. It does pay off in a big way. Learn to do the little things. When you don't like to do something, do it because you're going to find out it pays off. And that's a success. And that's why you succeed. Most people don't succeed because they don't do the little things. They don't work out. Have you had a chance to speak at Notre Dame to the student body or to the Notre Dame football team? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're great. They, they just showed the movie in the new Notre Dame Stadium and a new Jumbotron. I think just over 15,000 people watched it. I think that's a record for a movie to be watched. <laughs> I love it. So of all the speaking engagements that you've had a chance to uh, to deliver over the years, 
what's one that stands out in your mind that just that just fired you up that you looked around and went oh my gosh this really is happening to me the last one I just did it's always the last one wow and so you're only as good as your as your last speech you're only as good as your last play you're only as good as your last 27 seconds eh right right mm-hmm so is that your last lecture? If you had one hour to live, what would you say to the world? What a good way to conclude our time together. What would you say to a to hire to, hire people that you have paid the price? Hire people that don't to go up there and regurgitate. Go up there and get people in front of you that could tell you hard times never last. Tough people last. You know. So that's what you want. Yes, sir. So again, the Rudy Foundation, we can just go to Rudy Foundation. <clears throat> we can Google Rudy Tackle on YouTube to actually see you make that yeah. tackle all those years ago. Yeah, yeah, you'll see it. Over 3 million people have Googled it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I'm surprised I have not. As soon as I get off this show, I'm going to Google it and show it to everybody. Oh, Google it, man. You'll see it. I will, brother. So how do we get a hold of you as a motivational speaker? Is there a website? Is there a, 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 a way to, to contact Rudy, you? Rudy, Rudy, RudyInternational.com. All right. RudyInternational.com. Mm-hmm. And you're involved with several other organizations and, and, and partnerships I know of. So um, I've had our mutual friend Randy Garn on the show before and uh, – Who's somebody that you would always want to interview? Who, who's, who's an inspiration in your life that you think I should have on my show and uh, that you've always wanted to meet or that you have met that just continually inspires you? David Norton. David Norton. And why is that? Interview him. You'll see. <laughs> okay. I'll do that. That's I'm funny. Telling you right now, this guy is unbelievable. All right, you I'm sure he feels the same. You need the every you need the everyday guy who really understood what life and losing a child means and and coming back and and building a family. Oh, talk to David Norton. He's he's the guy. All right, I'm sure with all of the uh gajillions of people who tune into this radio show, he's gonna have a following now and I'll track him down. Right, so, ask Randy. Call Randy. Randy will get you. He's the guy you need to talk to. All right. We shall do it. Any closing comments, right, Rudy, man. before we uh, we before we let you go? It sounded like you were calling me from your car and you had the GPS uh, woman's voice telling you to turn left or slow yeah, down or something. I'm like, beating, come on, baby. I kept speeding up and my car kept telling me to <laughs> slow down. <laughs> oh, I just thought that's funny. You pay, you pay for a backseat driver. Like, There's something wrong with that, you know? Yeah, you got. I love it. So you can never go over the speed limit. <laughs> I love it. Well, I look All forward right. to seeing you again and sharing the program with you, Rudy Rudiger, Daniel. You, you are bet. just my hero. You're the the hero to millions and millions of people. It's an honor to have you on the show, and I you appreciate bet. you so much. You have a great day, and we'll talk soon. Make sure you call Randy on David. David needs to be on your show. Thank I'll you. Def- I'll do that, brother. God bless you, and let's you talk soon. You bet. Thanks, All my right, friend. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye. 
So this is Dan Clark. Uh, you're on VoiceAmerica.com, the Influencers Channel. We've just been talking for quite a while now with the famous Daniel Rudy Rudiger, carved his name into history as perhaps the most famous graduate of the University of Notre Dame. If you have not seen the movie about his life and his two years at Notre Dame, you need to go. Uh, you need to go buy it. You need to tune into Netflix right now. He's the son of an oil refinery worker and the third of 14 children. And yet from that circumstance, Rudy rose from a valley of despair to the pinnacle of success. And as I said at the very beginning of the show, it took years of determination. And Rudy on this interview reminded us about doing the little things. When he came out of high school, obviously he was not on the honor roll, I don't even think once. You've heard me comment that my brothers and sister were all geniuses and always on the honor roll, and I was not on the honor roll. One time I came home with a report card, had four Fs and one D on it. My dad's response, son, looks to me like you're spending too much time on one subject, and that's more than just being facetious. It's, uh, you know, truth and all humor, and it sounds like Rudy and I, we connect at that level, but that didn't hold him back. He joined the Navy, and off off the air as he and I have become friends. He loves to tell the story about reporting as this young sailor uh, and he was being commanded to make his bed, which he had never done at home and to do this and to fold his clothes and to stand at attention. And it was all these little teeny things that created his character that developed him into a man and finally tuned his passion and, and ignited his desire and his belief in himself that, yes, he could go to the University of Notre Dame. And that as a young man, he never said how tall he is, but I think he's about 5'7", maybe 5'8". And he was just a little bitty guy, probably so skinny he had to jump around in the shower to get wet coming out of high school. And yet he walked on at the University of Notre Dame against these giants, these superstar, all-state, all-American athletes, and he competed. And he didn't compete on talent. He competed on heart and desire and will to win. As we go to commercial break, what I learned from Rudy's interview is that losers fail and quit. Winners fail until they succeed. This is Dan Clark. Let's go to commercial break. And we're going to come back and talk for a few more minutes about the significant relationships we have in our lives, helping you to connect the dots from Rudy's story. And stay tuned. You don't want to go anywhere else. We have a sports theme today, obviously. My next guest will be Jason Buck who is an All-American football player, first-round draft pick into the National Football League, Super Bowl champion. His ring is amazing, followed by Jay Blair Giles, one of my great friends. Jason is also a dear, dear friend, one of my heroes. But Blair Giles, he was a 15-year sports marketing executive who worked with such amazing athletes as tennis stars Andre Agassi and Andy Ruddock and NFL Hall of Famer Emmett Smith, NLB Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr., Duke coach Mike Chachevsky, and dozens of others. You want to stay tuned. Let's go to commercial break, and I'll be back in a moment. Yeah. 
the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. I just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable Dan Clark was the keynote speaker. He is clearly the most interesting man in the world. He's been into space. He reminded us to think bigger. He's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books. And he inspired all of us to make our lives matter. He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number, 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America Business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back, and I sure hope you didn't uh, miss that amazing interview with the famous Daniel Rudy Rudiger. But if you did, obviously, you want to go to the podcast and uh, get this show on demand because he had some words of wisdom that all ages and every one of us needs to hear. His his movie was made about something that happened, as he said, 40 years ago. Man, am I getting old because I remember when the movie came out and, as he said, it took him 10 years after the experience he had at Notre Dame to get this movie made But he was relentless. And isn't that interesting? That's not surprising. It's interesting that the same character traits and qualities that he had when he joined the Navy and when he decided his dream was to go to Notre Dame, not on a football scholarship as a short, skinny, 
young man with not a lot of speed, not a lot of strength, obviously not a lot of football talent on paper, but how can you measure heart? How can you measure tenacity and hustle? You can't, and he epitomizes that. And yet it's those same character traits that he showcased day in and day out as a student at Notre Dame having to stay eligible to play football, having to get his grade point average up and pass his classes. It was that exact same character that he developed that allowed him to persevere on the football field and go up against these giants who outweighed him two and three times in tackling drills. You got to watch the movie. It's not really embellished. I've talked to him. The movie is not exaggerated. He was this little guy that they knocked around like a rag doll and he just kept getting back up and going again with a bloody nose, perhaps a broken nose, a broken chin strap. (laughs) Probably half the practice, he was looking out his ear hole thinking he was blind he got hit so hard but he kept going so the question again is can you do it too I've taught public speaking now at the university level for 10 years and I always remind my students of two things number one you don't prepare a speech you prepare yourself to speak because when you are prepared you shall not fear And the way we prepare ourselves to speak is to make sure that we answer three questions that every listener craves the answers to. It doesn't matter if we're driving in a car one-on-one or if we're in a one-on-ten presentation in a boardroom. It doesn't matter if I'm a professional speaker in a giant arena, one-on-20,000. Every single audience member craves the answer to three questions. Number one, why should I listen to you? It's the credibility piece. What is the history behind you? Have you done it? Do you have the credibility and the experience? And number two, current. Are you currently doing it? Are you relevant? And isn't it interesting that the credibility boosters that we think we need to showcase are not the positive, amazing, extraordinary successes that we think we need? Because in my experience as a professional speaker, people don't relate to my perfections if I even have any. They relate to my imperfections. They don't give a rat's wakazoodle if I've ever succeeded. They want to know, Dan, did you ever fall? Did you ever fail? And then what did you do about it? How did you get back up and go again? Isn't that what Rudy is about and why we all resonate with his, his story of being the underdog and triumphing over obstacles? beating the odds and making his dream come true. And in those 27 seconds, because of that fame, because he persevered, it literally changed his life forever. He's a multimillionaire, fame beyond imagination with a platform in his humility to share his story and his philosophies of perseverance, of getting back up and going again and never saying never so that he truly can change the world one story, one speech, one moment at a time. You see, it's all connected. And it's so interesting that the connections that we make with the right people validate something else, I believe. And that is the second question that I share that I remind my students of when I teach them about the art and science of public speaking. Question number one, as I mentioned, why should I listen to you? But question number two, can I do it too? With my history, with my weaknesses, and with my strengths. And the third question is, how do I do it? And will it be worth it to me? Can I see myself doing it and paying the price 
of time and resources to make this dream come true. Once we answer those three questions in every single conversation, in every single speech, if you're a professional speaker, once we answer those questions with our loved ones, with our friends, with our family members, as inspirations and as role models in every setting that we find ourselves, it's amazing how we again validate the significance of connections. I want to go to another commercial break, but I want you to listen for one moment as I paint this word picture of significant connections. A young man literally changes the world with a significant invention, but he admits that he was led to a life of inventing by a certain book he had read. Are you with me? So to whom do we owe our debt of gratitude for enriching our lives so significantly with this invention? The inventor or the author of the book who the inventor freely admits led him to a life of inventing in the first place? Or should we thank the teacher who encouraged a child to become an author? Certainly without the teacher, the book never would have been written. Are you with me? Or is the world indebted to the extremely successful businesswoman who sought to be significant by creating the scholarship fund that allowed a poor, underserved girl to attend college and become the teacher who encouraged her student to become the author and write the book that inspired the man whose invention changed the world? (laughs) Or... Should we thank the doctor who saved the life of a mother who several years later bore the child who became the significant businesswoman who created the college scholarship? Or maybe the one who really deserves our deepest appreciation is the hardworking delivery man who drove the wagon that carried the lumber that was used to build the doctor's office where the doctor saved the woman who, several years later, bore the child who grew up to create the scholarship fund that allowed the disadvantaged student to attend college and become a teacher who inspired her young student to study writing and write a book that inspired the young man who became the inventor to change the world. I hope you followed me. You can go to danclark.com, my website. And find the diagram. I call it significant connections. Please click on click on receive free gifts and training. Join my tribe and we can share diagrams and analogies and short stories from my chicken soup for the soul days and do everything we possibly can do through our significant connections to lift one another up so that we too can persevere, so that we too can do as Rudy has taught us and inspired us. To never say never. Dream a mighty dream. Pay attention to the little things. It's the small things that truly matter. As promised, let's go to commercial break. And don't go anywhere because my next two guests are also sports related. Amazing sports celebrities. Jason Buck. He went from small-town farm boy to junior college walk-on at Ricks College in Rexburg, Idaho, where he became the National Junior College Defensive Player of the Year way back in 1994. But his message as Rudy's message is still relevant. 
the things that allow us to get back up and go again never change. Jason then played for Brigham Young University in 1985 and 1986, where he earned consensus All-American honors and won the 1986 Outland Trophy as the nation's top interior lineman, his senior season, number one draft pick into the NFL, Super Bowl champion. Don't go anywhere to hear his story. It's inspirational. You'll just smile and just love what he talks about. And then my last guest today, so you don't want to go anywhere, is Jay Blair Giles, my good buddy Blair. And as a 15-year sports marketing executive, he knows how to market our brand, how to create a brand. But it's so interesting to me how his career and all of his experiences led him to a young man that I met a gajillion years ago in his high school in upstate New York, who's had an up and down roller coaster ride. And he will talk eloquently about his relationship with Jimmer Ferdet, the MVP of the World Basketball uh, Association team in China. Let's go to break. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help, but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to. That's where BetterHelp comes into play. With BetterHelp, I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We all can use a little help. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash VA health and register for free. You can try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get better help today at betterhelp.com forward slash VA health. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. If you're an event meeting planner like me, you have two ongoing challenges. You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme. So your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121. Or just visit danclark.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. 
plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back. And for those of you who've been tuned in for the show, you know that my interview with Daniel Rudy Rudiger was an amazing interview and that he kept deflecting my questions about talking about the fame and the movie because of who he is. And he kept wanting to talk about what he learned as a young man and that the little things matter and that the relationships that he developed, even the quick relationship he developed that day when he was uh, discouraged or stood up by the so-called writer of his movie, he was able to create a quick relationship based on trust and mutual respect and support with that mailman And because this movie writer, this famous movie writer of the movie Hoosier stood him up for four hours in a restaurant instead of going home and flying back to Indiana with his tail between his legs, because he made a connection with this mailman and the mailman smiled and said, hey, I know where the guy lives. (laughs) And he said, come on, Rudy, let's go and knock on his door. He has no right to, 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 to leave you hanging. He has no right to stand you up. And so Rudy knocked on the guy's door. Hey, you missed my appointment and I'm finding you. How cool is that? And a couple of years later, his life story and his 27 sex, seconds of fame playing in that Notre Dame football game that changed his life forever became a reality. Why did I bring that up? It's all about trust. It's all about friendship. It's all about quick relationships with individuals who come into our lives. And Jason Buck, my next guest, is one of those interesting individuals. Because this is a radio show, I want, to, I want you to visualize 
someone who's about 6'6". Six, six. I'm 6'5 and a half, and I think, Jason, even though you have perfect hair, I don't think it's your hair that makes you <laughs> taller than me. But I think I'm you're about... taller than you. You're, yeah, you're about, yeah, that's funny. You're about 6'6", six, six and and yeah. in your in your fighting days, how much did you weigh? Oh, two, right, I was right at 280 at the, with the Redskins. Okay, so he's drafted out of college at 280, but he's got this this thick, beautiful hair that he slicks back, and now he's sporting a beard <laughs> that I saw. I'm thinking thinking it's the Old Testament look because he really is a spiritual man. But Jason is so much more than a football player, and that's my point, ladies and gentlemen. We can make all the jokes we want about dumb jocks, and this guy, thank God he can play football because he can't do anything else. Yeah. And what 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 you what you're about Jason for me and I get emotional talking about you behind your back is that you're a husband of 34 years to your high school sweetheart Roxy and you are the proud father of four children with seven grandchildren. And yeah. you are you are politically active. You're a social entrepreneur. Every time I go to any kind of a gala, fundraising, charitable event, you're there graciously giving of your name, of your time, of your experience, of your Rolodex. And so before I start asking you questions, which I really want to start not at DNA, but close to it, I want the, 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 the folks to hear your brief bio. Jason Buck went from small-town farm boy, and we're talking about St. Anthony, Idaho. Actually, no, you started in Boise. I shouldn't even fill in the blanks. I'll just read your your bio. Jason Buck went from small-town farm boy to junior college walk-on. Same story as Rudy. Go figure. At Rick's College in Rexburg, Idaho, where he became the National Junior College Defensive Player of the Year in 1984. Jason then played... For BYU in 1985 and 1986, where he earned consensus All-American honors and won the 1986 Outland Trophy as the nation's top interior lineman his senior season. And that was kind of squatting to jump. That's only the beginning. Jason was drafted in the first round, 17th pick overall in the 1987 NFL Draft by the Cincinnati Bengals, for whom he played for four seasons from 1987 to 1990 including a heartbreaking loss in Super Bowl 23. Buck played three more years with the Washington Redskins from 1991 to 1993, where he became a world champion with the Washington Redskins Super Bowl 26 team. It's a story on steroids similar to that of Rudy, and that's why it's an honor to have you on the same show with Rudy, brother. Jason Bach, talk to me, brother, and let's start from the beginning. Where in the world did you grow up? <laughs> Dan, I was, you know, my family were early pioneers into Utah in the, you know, 1847. I mean, they, uh, and so we're a Utah pioneer family, but my family moved up in, they, they loved farming, sugar beets and potatoes. And grandpa moved the family up into eventually Washington State, the Columbia Basin Water Project back in the late 50s. And so I was born in Moses Lake, Washington, where my dad was farming potatoes. And just uh, 1963... And at two years old, we moved to Michigan because Orida, the company Orida um, Potatoes, wound up at the potato industry in Michigan. So I went out to Michigan at two years old and stayed there till I was nine farming potatoes. 
So my, my informative years were all in the western farmland of Michigan, about 20 miles from Muskegon, Michigan. And man, I love those Michigan woods. The fall colors out there, it just, that was really my informative years. And, then, and, as, uh, then and as a my, young boy in a farming family, were you, did you have chores? Did you have to go out and work in the fields? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you just, I, was, I was wired to uh, play football from day one. But, you know, the farm, dad put you to work, right? And I was a big, strong kid. And I would work it, it would, by my dad's side, my brother's side, and fall asleep on the tractor riding in my... And every time he'd get up, you know, try to take me into the house, I'd start crying. And I would just have to stay on his lap out in the tractor for hours upon hours at a time. And, you know, three, four years old, I started running behind the tractor because mom had told me stories of Jim Thorpe and the world's greatest athlete and how he'd run for miles upon miles to school every day. And I thought, hey, you know what? My family, you know, mom's family has Native American Indian in it. You know, I, I'm tough. I can run like Jim Thorpe, and I'm going to run behind the plow for hours, just in the plow furrow. And I was just always wired to get stronger, faster, better. I wanted to be the best in the world, and even from my earliest thoughts. And that- yeah, I, was just, I didn't know how. I was just out in the middle of nowhere, and I put it to work. Isn't that interesting, man? You remind me of the of the movie Karate Kid, Wax On, Wax Off. The kid had no <laughs> idea that those skills, you know, in washing a car would actually help him develop the muscularity and the flexibility and the coordination that would eventually help him become a karate champion. So all those formative years were developing you not just physically but making you mentally tough making you love the idea of working hard and regardless if it was a sweaty dusty day you still found love and joy in 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 hard work and 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 putting your 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 shoulder to the wheel that's what you're saying no absolutely you know i just didn't I didn't realize at the time, obviously, you know, the, the buzzwords of personal accountability, but that's what I took upon myself, personal accountability and responsibility. I was going to make it happen. And, and the hard work part, I just, I would go to bed at night and pray, you know, in our family, family and a patriotic family. And, and no matter how dysfunctional it was or hard it was at times in our life, you know, I, I stayed close to the Lord and, and I'd pray at night that I'd be able to work as hard as my father and my older brother because their, their work ethic was just untouchable. I mean, it just, and I looked up to him so much and I would pray that I'd be able to gain that work ethic and work harder than anybody else. Wow. And it was just in, ingrained in my, my soul through the example of my, you know, big brother, father. And, you know, I just, so every time I picked up a, a breaker bar to dig ditch with or a shovel. I just pushed myself to my limits to try to get stronger and faster and better. Always dreaming about that day. I would be able to play pro football and take care of my family. And isn't that interesting? You didn't develop your strength necessarily in a weight room with some personal trainer. You did it lifting no. and throwing around, you know, the, the pipes to, to, to irrigate the, the, the potatoes yeah. and to do all the things behind the tractor. It's so amazing. Building. You know, 
I, I have the honor of writing speeches for a lot of celebrities, and you and I connected. I was trying to remember when we first met, and I think it's because you're a great speaker and that you and I connected at that level. But I've had an opportunity to help write speeches for, like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the NBA's leading scorer. I've written five speeches for him. I wrote his TED Talk and Hank Haney, Tiger Woods golf coach, and the list goes on and on. Well, I get a call from wow. Danny Mantle, one of the four sons of Mickey Mantle. And I fly to Dallas, and I meet his mom, who was still alive at the time. And we went to the to the cemetery and visited the mausoleum and saw, you know, paid tribute to his dad, Mickey Mantle. And Danny is one of two of the four sons who's still alive. And as I interviewed him to help prepare myself to help him write this speech, I got the inside scoop on his dad. And you are so like Mickey Mantle. I don't mean to divert from our interview here for a second, Jason, but Mickey Mantle, if you think about it, in 1956, he won the Triple Crown. And he was one of the top three professional baseball players in the world, in the Major League Baseball world, the top three highest paid players he mickey mantle willie mays and duke snyder and all three of them made a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year in salary which meant that on the off season they also had to get another job yeah, and mickey yeah. mantle what what reminds me about this jason is that mickey mantle lived in commerce oklahoma i'm doing this from memory from my interview but you can tell i was touched way back then because i still remember it mickey mantle lived and grew up in commerce oklahoma and what did he do in the off season he worked in a quarry where he had to have a sledgehammer and for eight hours a day, he would break rocks with the sledgehammer. And what happened is after about 30 minutes or 45 minutes, he would get weary breaking rocks with his right side. So he shifted sides of his body and started breaking rocks with the sledgehammers with his left side. And that's yeah. why he became strong enough to be a switch hitter and almost hit the same number of home runs from the right side of the plate as he did from the left side of the plate. That's wow. Jason Buck, ladies and gentlemen. You learned and strengthened in character and physique, not necessarily in the weight room, but just no. through life no. and example of an awesome dad and brother and family and friends, obviously, who said, let's go work. And by the way, even if you're tired, now we'll practice football. Talk to us, brother. Teach us. <laughs> yeah, now you get all the chores done and get your work done. We might down the priority list in the in the family. It wasn't for me, but you know, for everybody else, it was. I mean, they supported me, and the family all knew I was going to be this big, strong guy. And you know, even as a little kid, but and I held on to that dream and worked for it. But I, you know, I didn't realize what good that farm work was doing for me at the time. You know, and I really didn't lift weights until I got to college. I did a touch uh, in my, in high school, uh, my junior year, my spring, of my junior year, but really nothing big. You know, we just didn't have weight rooms. We just didn't have off season training and people went out and worked on the farms. What? So you say, Hey, Hey John, hand me that pig. Let me just bench press it about five times before we go to practice or what? <laughs> You know, you grab an axle from a train car on the side of the road and you say, hey, you know, let's just curl this for 15 minutes. What What did you do, man? Um, oh, I, I lifted a lot of railroad tie in my day. I'll tell you that. I stacked a lot of railroad tie, especially, you know, 10 years old, you're lifting railroad ties. That's that's a that's a big old heavy piece of wood if you, if you know railroad ties. But, 
you know, in Buckhead all day. And, you know, it just made me, you know, when we dug ditch, we were out in Pobble Rock. You know, I had a breaker bar, and my brother would have the shovel, and I'd hammer away, and we'd take turns, and I'd use the breaker bar, and he'd shovel, and I would switch, and he'd run the breaker bar, and I'd shovel, and that's how we dug our ditch out of the farm. We didn't have the ditchers and nice equipment, and, and you just got to give a little, got to challenge me. That's awesome. So you remind me. I went to bed and. When, when I was a freshman up at the University of Utah, you know, as we are arch rivals in our universities, I remember my freshman year, we had a defensive tackle. His name was Ron Rydalch, and he wore the high-top black spike uh, cleats, and probably he ran a 5-7 40-yard dash. Oh, wow. But he was so strong. And I remember he and I, he kind of took me under his wing, even though I was a wide receiver coming out of high school. And he was a defensive lineman. I was invited up, one of the two guys, freshmen, to play on the varsity team my freshman year. So I got to be friends with a lot of the older guys. And he invited me out to his farm in Tooele, Utah, one Saturday. And when you said buck and hay, I still remember itching for at least 10 days afterwards with all <laughs> oh, that yeah. hay dust stuck in my pants. But I watched him pick up these 100-pound bales and throw them on the back of a truck. And I would one-handed, yeah. and I would have to obviously lift them with two hands and use my butt and use my thighs. And I, I was almost like a clean and jerk to do what he was doing. Now, fast forward, he's an All-American our se- his senior year, that year, my freshman year. He's a second-round draft pick by the Buffalo Bills. And because we are great friends, after he goes to training camp and comes back to the University of Utah, I meet him, you know, we're having lunch, and I meet him in the weight room. And he was kind of a quiet-spoken guy. And he goes, man, can't believe it. I was the strongest guy at camp, and I never lift weights. <laughs> and I keep thinking about all these stories and heroes from my past. Listen to your story, Jason. You're exactly what every young man needs to be. And oh, so I want to go to a that. commercial break. And I want I want people to have an opportunity to call their friends, get dads especially on the phone, because I want to talk to you, talk and interview you about the football side of life, because you're a defensive lineman, a first-round draft pick. But you started off, if I remember right, as a quarterback, and you and I both do not like quarterbacks. So I want to just talk to you about your journey into the NFL from small town, I believe St. Anthony, Idaho is when it all really started to gel for you. Yeah, where I graduated from St. Anthony. Okay, so let's go to commercial break. This is Dan Clark, voiceamerica.com, Influencers Channel. My guest is Jason Buck. Number one draft pick, 1987, by the Cincinnati Bengals, who went on to become world champion and win his Super Bowl ring for the Washington Redskins in Super Bowl 26. No, it's not that long ago. And the lessons he has to teach us are provocative and profound. Let's go to break and we'll be back in a moment. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. I just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable Dan Clark was the keynote speaker. He is clearly the most interesting man in the world. He's been into space. He reminded us to think bigger. He's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books. And he inspired all of us to make our lives matter. 
He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number, 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Influence is often inherited, but more often created from our actions. The Voice America Influencers Channel brings together those who are creating and leading the way and those who will create the road from nowhere in the future. Being an influencer isn't always about being the most important person in the world. It's about being the most influential person in the world around you. A better manager, a better friend, a better marketer or strategic planner. The Voice America Influencers Channel is about becoming better and earning influence. Be an influencer. Join us today. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. We're back with my guest, Jason Buck. It's a radio show, but especially you ladies listening in, visualize a cross between... Um. Uh, was, Chris Hemsworth Thor. Don't interrupt. Don't interrupt. Chris <laughs> Hemsworth Thor. Uh, George Clooney from the neck up, and uh, Muhammad Ali in his prime from probably the neck to the waist. And who's your favorite sprinter from the waist down? I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a female <laughs> tennis player because you're so pretty. Anyway, but Usain yeah, Bolt. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Yeah, and you're just as fast as he is. That's just funny. Ladies and gentlemen, oh. if you could if you could draw a picture of yourself, who would you be? This is funny. So Jason Buck, my my guest. In college, he earned consensus All-American honors and won the 1986 Outland Trophy 
which means he was the very best lineman in the entire nation. Number one draft pick by the Cincinnati Bengals. Four seasons later, he's traded to the Washington Redskins, where he wins as part of the Super Bowl champion team. He wins the world championship, and he sports that amazing Super Bowl oh. ring everywhere I, I see. Well, it's kinda, you know, it's, you know, USA Today awesome. still had us last year on the 50th anniversary of the Super Bowl. Had our 91 Super Bowl 26 team, Washington Redskins team, as the greatest winning Super Bowl team of all time. Very Based cool. On, I had no idea. Yeah. Based Who was your quarterback? Schedule and statistics and everything. Um, Mark Rippin. Yeah. Yeah, I've, yeah. I, I I met him and his younger brother. Actually, he was uh, sponsoring a NASCAR team with Joe Gibbs at the time, and I met them at a fundraiser yeah. back in uh, back in North Carolina. Interesting yeah, small world. Great friend. But, you know, wow. you, you know, you're gonna talk about having how how did I get there? I mean, yeah, I want to know. You you, you went to farms. junior college before you went to Division One. You went to junior college, yeah, but how did you get from St. Anthony, Idaho, with about nine people, to well, we junior went college? Michigan, and we went actually up to Adrian, Oregon, which is in the Boise Valley. It's just about forty miles west of Boise, Idaho, and it had a hundred about twenty five students in a graduating class. So just twenty five students in a graduating class, barely played eleven man football, and totally isolated. We didn't have a phone on our farm, no way to communicate to the school or the church or the community. We were very, very isolated. And the family was really struggling through those financial times. And, and mom, you know, I, you know, I believe fought depression and really had a lot of hardships. So the marriage of my mom and dad was really tough. You know, we had eight children and when we lost the farm in Michigan and came back to Idaho, it was just bad times. And so I had siblings dropping out of high school and, and running away from home and, you know, just one heartache after another at our, in our home. And, and I just prayed every day to change my life and make it right and work that much harder. And I was just out lifting calves and tackling pigs and jumping fences. And I'd race the horse. My sister would ride the horse and I'd try to have a little bit of a head start and I'd race the horse. I mean, I'd, I'd figure out these workouts, right? I, That's I would do awesome. these workouts in you know, a way I could climb a rope and do, do whatever I could out on this farm. If I was going to throw a hay bale, I'd throw it farther than anybody else, you know, load the stack faster than anybody else, change the pipe faster than anybody else. I was just constantly challenging myself and dreaming of, you know, that day and trying to be Jim Thorpe and, and be a pro football player, even though I didn't have anything. And so, I, we moved to St. Anthony in my senior year of high school. It's across the state of Idaho from the Boise Valley over, you know, just below the Teton Mountains and Jackson Hole and that West Yellowstone in that area down in the Idaho Valley, upper Snake River Valley, little St. Anthony. And had 100 students in the graduating class instead of wow. 25. So I thought I'd moved into the big time. <laughs> <laughs> and I finished my senior year, but I was always hazed. Right, I, I was hated for whatever reason. Sometimes it was because of my religion. Sometimes it was just because I was poor. I fought every day in the locker rooms, and the bullies were always after me. I broke my leg my freshman year in a really bad drill, you know, from one of the bullies. And you know, I'd come to school and they'd kick my crutches out from under me, and I'd come home from school and I'd have tobacco spit down the back of my coat, you know, from them spitting on me from behind. And you know, I was just always fighting for everything I stood for. In my how life, big were, how big were you? Because now you're this specimen. Were you just kind of a little wiry dude in those days, yeah. or what? 
Yeah, my freshman year when I broke when they broke my leg and cheap shotted me, I was five ten, probably one hundred forty five pounds, just farm strong, wiry kid. Wow. And and um, my sophomore year, then I was six three. I grew a lot, and so they weren't ready to pick on me like they did my freshman year. But I was still fighting, and they'd still cheap shot. The offensive line had let the opposing team through on purpose to sack me. They all brag about it still to this day. Because you played you what know? position? I was quarterback back then. I, I thought I was going to be Fran Tarkington. <laughs> Did you back come into then. town and take the existing quarterback's job, and that's where the, the hate and jealousy started? Yeah. Well, that was in Adrian, and then when I went to St. Anthony, that's exactly how it worked. It was... I moved into town my senior year. I took the old quarterback's job. I was the quarterback and moved, you know, new kid in school. And so a lot of the players didn't like me. They wouldn't fight me, you know, because I was then a little over 6'5", probably. I grew out of high, you know, a little bit out of high school. So I was a good 6'5", plus, you know, my senior year, 203 pounds. And, uh, you know, nobody wanted to fight me. But they do things behind my back, like break into my locker and urinate on my clothes and my football locker room. You oh, know, gosh, brother. Let, let opposing teams through to sack me on purpose. It's open. They, they brag about this all the time at class mm-hmm. reunions and stuff. And so, so all of a sudden, what happens? You decide you still want to play college football. Yeah, I, I finished my senior year with no scholarship. And I went to uh, down to Rick's and got a meeting with the coaches. It's a junior college just 10 miles away from St. Anthony. And I just, nobody's helping. My parents didn't know how to help me and how to get me recruited or involved. And I just literally walked in and got an appointment with the coaches and had uh, lunch with them and shook their hands and said, I'm good enough to play football for you. I want a scholarship. (laughs) I was just real bold. I love it. And they're like, well, you don't have what it takes. I mean, well, we don't know you. You're a big strapping, strong kid. You know what? We'll give you, you can walk on. So I walk on, and the coach comes up to me and says, you know what? You don't have what it takes to play quarterback for us. I couldn't understand why. I was faster than the quarterbacks, stronger than the quarterbacks, out-jump them, everything. And he's like, but you, you can be a professional defensive lineman. You have the body for it. And it's the first time anybody had ever complimented me in football. And I'm like, okay, I'll move to D-line. And... I went through two weeks of camp at Rick's and didn't get a scholarship. So I left the team, told the coach I'm going to go get a job and work and put on weight. Now I don't know I'm going to be a defensive lineman. And I got a job at the local seed mill for $3.60 an hour. And, uh, well, actually $3.25 then when I first got the job, an hour, throwing grain sacks all day. Now I'd go down and lift weights, you know, from 6.37 at night till 10 at night, every night. And uh, did that for two years while Roxy, my sweetheart, was still in high school. And when she graduated from high school, I was now 235 pounds. And, you know, I just ate raw hamburger helper and raw eggs and elk meat and peanut butter and bananas and everything I could get hold of. And, you know, I was now bigger and stronger. And Roxy graduated. We got married and went down to Rick's and they gave me a half scholarship. I got a tuition scholarship. And, and it just took off from there. I made All-American my first year there. Never played D-line before in all my life. <laughs> wow. So then you yeah. you went from Rick's College. Did BYU give you a scholarship then? Did someone finally yeah. come to their senses with your athleticism? 
Yeah, well, everything really happened at Ricks. I mean, Ricks is one of the finest junior colleges in the nation at the time. By you know, absolutely one of the finest, and uh, was well recognized to put players in you know Division One schools all over the nation. So my second year at Ricks, I did you play for Schmidt? Um, you know what? He was the one I walked on for. You know, and had to leave yeah. the team with no yeah. money. And then Ron Hahn was the new head coach when I went in there. Yep. And Ken Schmidt was actually at BYU, and he ended yep. up recruiting me from BYU. Absolutely, because I played against so, him in high school. That's our connection okay. there. Yeah, he's a skyline coach. You betcha, and I was at East. You betcha. Wow. Yeah, so we, so my junior, sophomore year, I was National Junior College Defensive Player of the Year, and I ended up being the number one recruited junior college athlete in the nation. So Ohio State, Alabama, you know, Texas, you name it, were all in Rexburg, Rexburg, Idaho, recruiting me. So I had, I could have went to almost any school in the country at the time. And at the last second, I, I canceled beat Texas. I'd committed to Texas, and I prayed and fasted about it with my wife. And last on the very last signing day, and I actually called BYU and told them no already. And uh, that next morning, I woke up. I knew, I knew what I was wow. supposed to do, and. I called up Texas and canceled and then went to BYU. They came up and signed me that day. And the rest wow. is history. I went down, defended the national championship, was, you know, one whack defensive player of the year that first year there and an honorable mention All-American. And then my senior year, consensus All-American and won the Outland Trophy. And then first round draft pick by the Bengals and then you ended up as a... Washington Redskins. Okay, Jason, we're out of time, but yeah. I want you to take one one second. What is your most important message to the world as an incredible dad, as an incredible husband, as an incredible grandfather, as an incredible friend to me, as an incredible citizen, as an incredible patriot American? What's your message? And then I want you to share with us, with our listeners, how someone can get a hold of you to hire you as a motivational speaker with my full recommendation, man, you bring tears to my eyes. You make me laugh. You inspire me to, to, to keep dreaming. Even though I'm, I'm so much older than you, you still fire me up as a young man. <laughs> what's, what's your message, brother? You know what? It's so hard to put in a few words, but I always promised the Lord. I'd never forget where I came from, you know, whether I was out digging that ditch and bucking hay and, and working my guts out in the heat and nowhere, and and I, I arrived and I made it. And I promised I'd never forget where I came from, and I never have. And I've, I've, you can change your life and you can change your destiny. No matter how my family struggled and my siblings, you know, ran out, dropped out of high school, or ran away from home. I always knew there was a solution, and I found my solutions. And I was accountable to myself, and I went out and worked and and overcame. And I have a beautiful wife of 34 years, and I've, all my children are on the ball, and I'm my grandchildren, and I, I fixed everything. And we all have the power to do that in our lives. We all have the power and ability to recognize what is wrong and to be accountable to ourselves in the end. Because in the end, we're the only ones that can make it right, and we're the only ones that can change our destiny and make it different. And to never give up and to never quit, you can overcome anything and everything. I love it. So how do we get a hold of you if they want to hire you to be a motivational speaker in their corporation, which I highly recommend? How do they get, a, get, a, get in touch with you? Yeah, you know what? Uh, go to my Jason Buck Speaks Facebook page. 
um, that's a great place to get a hold of me. And then, uh, you know, my, my personal, um, I'd say probably that's, that's the best way to get a hold of me. Jason Buck Speaks Facebook page. Just reach out to me there. And right. uh, watch, watch for my <clears throat> Rivals podcast with Scott Mitchell. That's going really good with Bonneville Communications. Absolutely. You can and Rivals podcast on, yeah, uh, r- on iTunes. Rivals on, on iTunes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay, brother. I uh, love you. You know that. I honor you. I can't wait to see you. And I would, uh, hopefully we'll be on the sideline together on Saturday because that's, uh, that's the big rivalry game. Jason All Buck, right, ladies man. and gentlemen, let's go Thanks to so commercial much. break. You're welcome, brother. I'll call you in a little bit. This is Dan Clark, VoiceAmerica.com, the Influencers Channel. Let's go to commercial break. I'll be back with Blair Giles. You don't want to miss it. 15-year sports marketing executive, superstar, manager, confidant, and uh, and director of uh, the new for Debt Family Foundation honoring Jimmy as the MVP in the China Basketball League. We got so much to talk about and so little time to do it. Commercial break. Don't go anywhere. Back in a moment with Blair Giles. Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers. Life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help, but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to. That's where BetterHelp comes into play. With BetterHelp, I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We all can use a little help. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash VA health and register for free. You can try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get better help today at betterhelp.com forward slash VA health. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back. My guest is Blair Giles, a dear, dear friend of mine and a true hero. I look up to this gentleman so much in so many levels. He's a spiritual giant. He's an amazing husband, father. He's a great community activist. He's 
he's good, clean, pure, powerful, positive. I, 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 you can't put those words on on a resume, but let me at least go to his short or shortened version of his resume because what he's been able to accomplish in his young life blows my mind. Blair Giles is president and CEO of the Ferdet Family Foundation, where he has served since its inception in 2012. Blair is a 15-year sports marketing executive who's had the privilege of working with some of the nation's most well-known athletes and coaches, including tennis stars Andre Agassi and Andy Roddick, NFL Hall of Famer Emmett Smith, MLB Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr., Duke basketball coach Mike Krzyzewski, and dozens of others. A native of South Carolina and a graduate of BYU, Blair is currently serving as an adjunct professor of sports management at the BYU Marriott School of Management and owns his own sports marketing firm, JBG Sports Group, LLC, with offices, obviously, in Provo, Utah, and in Columbia, South Carolina. And as I said, he and his beautiful wife, Cynthia, are the proud parents of seven children, five boys and two girls. It's interesting, Blair, when I ask people to send in their headshots and send in their short bios, how important it is for them to mention their family ties and uh, kind of allude to why they are who they are. With the short amount of time we have on the show, I've invited you on purpose because we started with Rudy. What a great movie. We went to Jason Buck, a great friend, but what a story of triumph over odds and obstacles. And I want you to, to be the bat up, the, the, the cleanup hitter here, Blair. I want you to talk to us about your life and how in the world did you find yourself in sports marketing? You know, I, my wife always says, uh, you don't find sports, sports finds you. And, uh, and, I, and I really do think that's, that's the truth. The industry is so competitive and everybody is willing to do anything to get a leg up on their competitor. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I, find, I, I just found myself uh, in sports having worked with, uh, with Coach K, but also um, previous to that, my father was a 30-year uh, referee in college basketball in the SEC Conference, the ACC, the Big East, the Atlantic 10. And I just, I just grew up going with him to games and watching him um, and what he did on the floor uh, in the arena. And then after I left BYU with a, with a uh, degree in economics, uh, I joined um, Clear Channel Communications, which now is iHeartMedia. And, fr- and from there, they owned a sports group called SFX, and I was recruited out of radio into sports. And it's just been a, it's been a fabulous journey. So with so many athletes to represent, what criterion do you have in the back of your mind? What kind of an athlete uh, attracts someone of your high character to represent? You know, it's, it's, it's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, there's very little time in the day, and um, you want to you wanna be able to work with people who have at least somewhat similar vision and values. Uh, the importance of family is the number one thing for me. Uh, you know, with five kids, I was a senior vice president with a major um, uh, sports agency, uh, you know, international, you know, firm. And, uh, and, and I decided, you know, now almost six years ago that, uh, that the best thing for me would be, to, you know, my focus on family. And, and that was getting more and more difficult uh, every time a sports agency is sold, that you take on a new culture, and, and that became, you know, much more difficult as, as the time progressed. And so, you know, I knew that I 
you know, I've kind of got my, my list of criteria and, and one of them is you've got to respect family. You've got to respect the individuals, uh, realize that, you know, athletes are not perfect. You're not perfect, but you know, you can, you can come together with people with similar vision and, and work together. And it typically pays off not only financially, but it just pays off quality of life style and, and otherwise. And, and of course, Jimmer Fredette is a, is a perfect example of that. Um, you know, coming out of BYU player of the year and, and just what a wonderful individual he is and, and what he's gone on to do now uh, over in China is just fantastic. So let me put you on this, the hot seat here, Blair. Of all the athletes and all the experiences that you've had, take a moment and just think about one that really transcended most of them that that reminded you about how, how significant being a sports fan is, that the, we really can learn and be inspired by watching these extreme and, and talented athletes perform, that when you see an athlete, you see more than muscle and bone going through motion. You do see the heart. You see the desire. Re- reminisce on just one experience that comes to mind that you that, that, that was inspirational when – you know, maybe one of the athletes you represented stopped and talked to a, a, a disabled kid or someone went out of his way to recognize someone in the audience or there's got to be one story out of many that comes to mind. Can I put you on the spot? Anything, anything yeah. rattle your kid? Yeah, I'll just, yeah, I'll just say my first time working with Cal Ripken Jr., uh, we were, we were in a restaurant um, outside of uh, Augusta, Georgia. He had just got done doing a speech at the Greenville Country at, at the Augusta Country Club, which is right across the street from the Augusta National. And uh, and we went out to dinner as as a lot of baseball guys are used to. They're on the road quite a bit, and so they they spend their a lot of time out and in restaurants. And 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 we went in we went in a restaurant, and there was probably seven of us sitting there. And everybody started noticing that Cal was in town. He had also just bought the minor league baseball team, the Augusta Green Jackets in the area. So his name was, was getting around in that area quite a bit. And, uh, and there were several folks from around the restaurant who came up and said, you know, Cal, I really am sorry to bother you, but can I get your autograph? You know, my son is such a big fan of yours. I'm a big fan of yours. And there wasn't one time, and I kept looking over to Cal, like, okay, how are you going to handle this? Because we're, we're, we're just eating dinner. I mean, everybody's got to eat. Cal's a human just like the rest of us. And, and there wasn't one person that he turned away. He didn't, you know, say to them, I'm sorry, can't you tell I'm eating right now? You know, um, can you respect my time? You know, instead he said, hey, I'm, I'm happy to do that. And he would take pictures with them. And, you know, it, it got to the point where at the end of the dinner as we were leaving, we we really did have to say, hey Cal, you know we need to we need to get back. It's getting late. We need to get back to the hotel. But I think Cal was uh, is one of those examples in in the very beginning of my career working with him uh, that that I could just continue to idolize him as as a person as far as how he handles the pressure and and handles you know what he does. He's just an all around you know good person. I agree. We brought him into Utah to raise money for our high school baseball program. And that evening, we raised $42,000. 
and he did exactly what you said. He was so gracious, and it's so funny. About two days after we contracted with him to come, he calls me. He goes, hey, Dan, do you mind if I invite one of my buddies to join me? And I'm like, no problem. Who is it? He says, Steve Garvey. I'm like, okay, I think he can bring him. <laughs> you know, he can he can answer your tough questions or whatever. So we, what a gracious man. And I still idolize him for the same reasons that you just mentioned. So let's go to, the, to, to, to Jimmer for Debt. Grew up in a small town in upstate New York on the 87th Thruway and found him himself playing Division I basketball at Brigham Young University, where that year, as you said, he, he became the player of the year, the NCAA player of the year. And take it from there. What, what round was he drafted in? Who drafted him? And talk to us about his up and down career in the NBA. Sure. Jimmer, you know, Jimmer has always had to fight for you know, by, by the way, you know, his, his story, you know, starts well before BYU and, and his, his ability to persist and to fight for everything that, uh, that he's ever earned has really been a testament to me of what persistence and, and, and setting goals. And that's what the foundation uh, that I'm working with now really works with young people is to set goals, to achieve goals and to really be self-sufficient and, and ultimately mm. achieve dreams. And so, uh, so take us back to that. So I, 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 so I missed out then. Take us back a few steps earlier than that so you can actually validate what you were saying that before he even got to the D1 level, what did he do? What was his youth you like? You know, Jimmer, Jimmer, out of high school, you know, he did so many things. He held scoring records in New York, but people looked at him like just an everyday guy. You know, his body wasn't, you know, 6'5", you know, jumping out of the gym. Um, he, he was just a hard worker. And he scored an incredible amount of points. Uh, he really wanted to go to Syracuse. He had just very few offers uh, from around the country. And, and Coach Dave Rose uh, gratefully noticed that talent and, and brought him in. And even at BYU his freshman year, you know, Jimmer wasn't starting. He wasn't playing a lot. And, and really he went one day to practice, as his father tells me. And, and you know, he got the blue and the white jerseys based on, you know, who's on first team and who's on second team. You know, Jimmer was working really hard and thought he really had an opportunity to to uh, to play. And Coach Rose, you know, said to him, "Hey, everybody's got to earn their spot here." And and Jimmer walks in one day in practice and he turned his jersey over uh, the other way and said, "Hey, I I, I deserve and I want to you know I want to play on this team." And he wasn't doing that uh, with with you know a bad attitude. He was just saying, "Hey, I want a spot. I, I deserve. I've been working hard. I deserve this." And Coach Rose said. Hey, I really appreciate everything that that you're saying, but you know we really got to respect you know the system. Well, it but it just showed his determination, and and Jimmer went on to play his freshman year, and then went on to, of course, uh, uh, you know become a draft um, prospect his junior year, and then player of the year, of the year his senior year. But he he didn't have any prior to in, even in high school, he didn't have very many offers. You know, mm. from Syracuse, I saw Jim Jim Beheim at uh, at the Final Four this year. And I went up to him and I said, hey, hey, coach, it's good to see you. How about that Jimmer Fredette kid? And he said, hey, he really turned out, didn't he? That's and I said, great. yeah, he, he, he did. And he said, we, you know, it was kind of a miss by, by Syracuse. <laughs> um, but but that, that, that's the story of Jimmer's life. And, and, and he goes to the NBA. He's drafted in the first round by the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, of course, is drafted as well uh, that year. And Isaiah, of course, has gone on to have a very successful career. Jimmer's close to all of these guys, has a lot of great friends in the NBA. But it was just a, 
a difficult spot for him. It just wasn't something that uh, th- that was a real good fit. You know, he went through four coaches in in uh, in three years, I believe it was, and and um, and then just you know went down to the D League, became the MVP of the All Star Game in the D League, and then went over to China last year, and and in his first year, averaged almost forty points a game, mm-hmm. and was given the ball and was given. You know the respect. Uh, I think as a player, and and has just signed a, a a two year deal now with the Shanghai Sharks. So maybe the message is, regardless of of our own ability, sometimes we're drafted by the wrong team. Sometimes yeah. we're hired by the wrong company. So what's the <laughs> lesson in that for all of us? Absolutely, and Jimmer will say that uh, in his, a lot of his messages with the foundation, with young kids, and and others. And he says, you know, you, you, you can only control what you can control. And I think that's a message that I personally have been able to implement. Uh, we just had our fifth boy, our seventh child, and, uh, and surprisingly, he was born with Down syndrome. Hmm. And, and I, I can't tell you, you know, this past summer, uh, having experienced that, you know, how many times I've said to myself, you, 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 can't, you can only control what you can control. And and that has has given me a great love for this young boy that that we have now you know started to raise and and it's it's helped me to to be open and to learn so many new things that I otherwise would not have learned. You know, my oldest daughter. We have four children. My oldest daughter is a special education teacher at a middle school with an emphasis on the severely challenged. She was uh, Miss Teen Utah, so she's a beauty queen with that big heart. And she has about 16 young children in her class every year. And about five, about 50% of her, of her students have Down syndrome and about 50% have autism. Some are nonverbal. And when I go to volunteer and I am around these celestial beings, these angels, I can see what you, you mean. But you know what, Blair, I know you so well. And I just know that you are one of the greatest dads and one of the most compassionate people on this planet. So this kid, this your your son, is so blessed to have you as his father. So congratulations, and uh, you're just amazing. So let's just spend the rest of our time uh, talking about the lessons you've learned from Jimmer, where he's the scoring champion, yeah. he sits on the bench. And he goes through four coaches in three years, and most people would give up and say, I'm out of here, I'm going to go buy a 7-Eleven. And yet he pursues yeah. and perseveres, and he ends up going to China, making big bucks. I know that they pay great salaries. I've already investigated that before I invited you on the show. So Jimmer's set up. Yeah. He's got a great future, signs another two-year contract. What lessons has he learned that he has taught you? And then let's wind down our time, you talking about the Ferdet Family Foundation and how we can get involved. Sure, and I, I would just again reiterate: you can only control what you can control, and and I think that that uh, in, in a world today that that there's so much ambiguity and and who knows where we're going next and what's happening around us, you know, I, I think that if you just persist and move on, and and that's what Jimmer will say, you know, he he couldn't have ever imagined he would love to be in the NBA. Let's just be clear: he would love to be in the NBA, be playing and scoring just like. Uh, Kimball Walker was his senior year. You know, a lot of those guys that, that have gone on to find good situations and good fits. And for Jimmer, that just hasn't been the case. And, but he's, he's moved on and he has had incredible opportunities now over in China and will continue to have 
opportunities for probably for the rest of his life as he continues to move forward. But for me, it's controlling what you can control. My good friend and yours, Dell Murphy, said that he, you know, he was going to be a catcher and, and he was in the minor leagues and he, and he tried to throw a guy out at second base and he, and he threw it right back to his pitcher and hit him in the forehead <laughs> and almost, <laughs> almost knocked him out. And they said, you know, Dale, let's try you out in the outfield. <laughs> let's, let, let's try you at a different position. And of course, being a catcher, he's like, well, hold on a minute. You can't try me out at a different position. And of course he goes on to be, you know, the national league MVP for two years and has done some incredible things. So, I think that, that Jimmer has really, as I've observed him every day and have communicated with him just about every day for the last six years, uh, just controlling what you can control, working hard, and, and, uh, and doing your very best, and letting other people around you do their jobs as well to help you and, and to support you. And, and, and Jimmer is, is, is that guy. So for me, that's really helped, and, uh, and that's something that, that, uh, that we teach young people uh, when they're not getting on the high school basketball team, or it sounded like Jason Buck, same thing. You know, he goes to, to they don't give him any money, and he goes and, 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 and works hard, and, you know, you know the story from there. So I, I think that's one of the big messages for me today. Okay, so in our last minute, how do we get in touch with the Ferdet Family Foundation? How can we contribute? How do we get in touch with you? And, you know, and yeah. you and I need to talk more off 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 the air because you're a great communicator you're an amazing speaker and i got to get you out there on the speaker tour so tell people how they can get in touch with you personally and how we can get involved in supporting the fredette family foundation so the fredette family foundation our website is jimmerosity as in uh, j-i-m-m-e-r so jimmer o-s-i-t-y jimmerosity.org and uh and you can reach us there through the contact page we have a a great uh, golf tournament coming up this Friday uh, before the BYU Utah game uh, in uh, here in Provo, and um, and we're doing great things uh, both in Utah and New York, and we're now looking at things over in China where Jimmer will be going on uh, on Monday. He he reports over there on Monday. Okay, my friend, Blair Giles, incredible human being at every level, physical, mental, spiritual, financial, social. I sure appreciate your friendship, brother, and I look forward to spending some quality time with you in the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months. Jimmer was great friends with my daughter, Nicola, whom I talked about when they were in college together, and that's just kind of a what goes around comes around story, isn't it? So this is Dan Clark. VoiceAmerica.com, the Influencers Channel. We've had amazing guests today, Rudy Rudiger, Jason Buck, NFL World Champion, and obviously Blair Giles, a 15-year sports marketing executive and guru and philosopher of life and living. I love the show today, and please, ladies and gentlemen, keep spreading the word, and let's get our fan base to grow and be inspired and influenced by the incredible guests that I've had a privilege to to become friends with and interview on a weekly basis. God bless our troops. God bless America. And until we meet next week again, you all have a great day. Thanks for being part of the show. Be sure to join Dan Clark next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time for another edition of The Art of Significance on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
Remember, you too can achieve the level beyond success. 